everyone. Welcome to the Pixelated Perfect podcast. I'm excited. Today we have Adnan with us. Um, Adnan is a product designer at Poised right now. He has 10 years of design experience and he is located in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, and thank you so much, Adnan, for being here. Maybe you can pronounce Herzegovina correctly because I'm sure I did not say it correctly. <laughs> no, I, I think you. Uh, thank you for the intro. I think you did it good, uh, even though the right way on the language is uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. But again, it is uh, correct what you said. And uh, yeah, thank you for the intro. I'm glad to be in your podcast. Yay! Thank you so much. Super excited. Um, so let's let's get into it. Um, Tell me when design entered your life. It's a really hard, uh, good question because it dates down to uh, early, early stages of uh, my life. And uh, when uh, when I was a, a kid in elementary school, I was really into blogs and they were really popular at that time. So each school, each grade had their own blog and it was pretty generic. They would upload, you know, an image they would uh, do like all the all the basic stuff. But I was like, you know, I want to be different. I want to stand out. I want my class to be really cool. So I got into exploration around how I can customize it. So then CSS blended into that. And um, I also had a neighbor who was really good at Photoshop. And he would basically show me some cool ideas, like cool image manipulations. And I was like, how do you do this? And he was like, it's a secret. And that's made me kind of explore more around the manipulation of uh, photographs. And uh, then I thought, okay, you know, what's the structure of the blog? How can I make it different? So I started to create a layout for the blog and implement it in a CSS. So pretty much in elementary school, I was doing all of that and it was really, really far. I'm 30 years old and uh, um, it was uh, much, it was in the elementary school. So uh, really early stages of even web design was not that established. Mostly developers kind of creating these basic layouts. And I kind of make, I was kind of creating these layouts, which were really grabbing attention amongst other grades. Uh, and uh, at some point, uh, the school asked me, so do you, do you want to kind of create our website? And I was like, hmm, yeah, I want to do that. So I started to explore design and uh code and eventually my career actually started more code than design because that was something that I was uh, interested at at the beginning because that was kind of my entry point into this world right. um, so yeah I started to do that and explore uh, I, I created a website for my elementary school and then I started to create a website for my local uh, football club which is soccer in the U.S. Yeah. And um, eventually I got got attention from the actual soccer club, which is uh, my city has two big soccer clubs. And they offered me to that my website becomes an official one uh, because they didn't have the knowledge. So I eventually ended up uh, designing and maintaining the website with my brother, who is now also oh a developer, gosh. a really good one. <laughs> And uh, I was yeah running the website for the for the really huge local soccer club. And I also was creating uh, their magazine. So I was like this uh, geek, uh, young kid that knows all of these technologies and is creating all of these, these things. 
And, you know, in parallel with that, um, I started to like architecture a lot and decided that, you know, I want to, I want to go in a, in a high school that is following, uh, there's an architectural high school here. So I also, at the same time, was interested into that. And that kind of uh, made me realize that I really like visuals more than, Mm. more than the, uh, more than the actual coding aspect. And that's how it kind of started at the beginning. So you were like, you were a child entrepreneur, like you were creating things, you were working, you had your brother and you like partners, were you getting paid to to do this work? The only currency that I got in high school was actually not uh, attending the classes. (laughs) So I was excused. I was an instrument for teachers uh, I used to know really good flash if you remember flash yeah and I used to create like these really cool presentations for the school and when we went to uh, uh to kind of uh, on these uh how do you say like statewide competitions we uh-huh. used to one from I, I remember I my first uh presentation in af in uh, flash was for physics and I was like creating how light bounces from glass and basically everybody was on the presentation. I was like creating this uh, flash animation and everybody in the, on the, on the, it was like the entire state. It was like watching it and it was fairly new and everybody didn't believe that, you know, we were able to create all these animations about glass, about uh, lights, about, you know, all of the stuff. Yeah. And in the end, I remember I had a picture of all of our entire, uh, you know, high team that was going on to, on to the, competition and I put uh, I found a brush on Photoshop on the web of an Albert Einstein and I put it next to us and you know it was like a kind of like a conclusion and we won first place so it was uh... I'm sure <laughs> that's amazing I feel like you're like a, a design celebrity there like you're like <laughs> yeah, the I, one I, who designs you're like the the genius the kid genius that did all the, the cool I was uh, at my school but probably there there are other people that were uh, also good uh, in the other oh. schools. <laughs> That's a, but, a great start to your journey. I I love hearing that story. So you, and I like how you were like doing some coding and then when you started to realize you liked architecture and like you, you basically really early on realized that you wanted to do kind of graphic design, web design, more of the like visual side of of design. Yes, uh, I was really amazed how in great impact I, I w- was able to make with design and uh, uh, especially when I was designing the magazine for the entire, um, you know, club that was printed in thousands of uh, pieces. And it was really amazed like when I remember when the first time was the first version was printed out was the first magazine ever the club had. And uh, basically, uh, I know the stadium has, it's not a big stadium, maybe 10,000 uh, seats and because the stadium now it's more built so it has more but at that time it wasn't that big um so i remember like on each seat there was my magazine and uh, i remember uh, i, I wow. felt great that you know people are sitting and listening and i felt like i have control over emotions and what people see and how people perceive the club so i felt really good and at the same time i wasn't paid that much but you know i was always more because of the opportunity and not because because of that. And then I realized that I like to create things that are visual. Um, and that's why I decided I want architecture because it, I kind of get that same excitement feeling when I was looking at buildings, 
I was a part yeah. of these forums and I was sharing images of upcoming projects. Uh, I would go on, on site, I had a digital camera from my aunt from the US she sent. She was a like it was really uh, in the early stages. So it was a really good camera. So I would kind of take pictures of, of construction buildings and post it on forums. So I was into that um, uh, space of, uh, of architecture, of visuals, which has kind of led me into early in the stage to go uh, into design, graphic design, web design, then eventually stepping into the field of user experience very early in my career and then continuing on that path until today. Fascinating. Okay, so let's kind of rewind a little bit. So you you talked about architecture in high school. So what happened? Like, did you go to like a specific type of high school? Did you get a degree in design? Like what, how did you kind of continue your, your education and design after your childhood um, start? Yeah. So in, in, in the meantime, when I was doing, uh, uh, when I was going to high school in architecture, I was working on side projects uh, and earning already some money uh, while going on high school uh so uh, at that time i was kind of uh in uh, into the architecture because we have a high school that is only focused on architecture so you learn the basics of architecture so you can afterwards be more prepared when you go to uh, actually the, the the college or uh, faculty as we call it and um i was kind of really into that but we had some of these uh, uh subject subjects that were more kind of math based and calculation based. So I wasn't seeing myself. I was really excited when I used to draw on paper, like uh, all the all the concepts of buildings. And especially when I was translating that to uh, computers, I was in elementary school and even in high school, I was always uh, really uh, tech savvy I, because I really like computers. So I was always, I always knew the everything about the tools. And I kind of liked that. So after high school, I went to to um, to try to sign on the architecture college, but I wasn't so skilled with handwriting. And a lot of people were saying you have to be really skilled because it was a subject, mm. so you can get accepted. So I decided, okay, uh, maybe I should go on civil engineering because that's a little bit closer to architecture. Um, and my parents were kind of pushing me into that field. So eventually I decided to do that, but uh, I think I'm glad that I did that because it helped me realize that uh, I like more visual creations than what you do in civil engineering with mostly calculating buildings and how a balcony stands and pillars and, and stuff. And eventually I realized that I, uh, and during high school, I already found a job and I was uh, working uh, and, you know, going in high school in college my parents were not too happy about that because they wanted me to finish college. But eventually I started to work really full-time at this company and I was designing websites and, uh, and developing them at the same time in WordPress. Uh, so we had like, a, if you remember Theme Forest, we had a, this company had, was really selling really good on Theme Forest and I was generating yeah. a lot of good themes. So I am the person who is a college drop-off because... <laughs> Um, I decided that I cannot go on college and work full-time and I decided to drop off from college, but because my parents pressured me, I did, uh, enroll in another college on the side, but that was okay. more, mostly like a cover up so I can pursue my 
career dream, which was uh, design. So yeah. entire my career, I was mostly learning by myself, uh, teaching myself. And um, the fact that I was really early in the in the industry, in the early ages of the industry, I could learn a lot. There was no specific schools at that time, at least right. in my country. There was only courses that I used to follow uh, online, but not a specific school for that. So you kind of... <laughs> You kept your parents happy by like going to school. <laughs> um, so that was covered, but you really kind of took that initiative to learn on your own and gain the knowledge because there wasn't really a great place for you to like learn about web design, UI, UX design. You probably learned a lot in your job and in like actually experiencing it and doing it yourself. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it was, it was quite tough because uh, at the same time, the, the parents and also everybody's expecting from you to finish uh, college, but uh, you, on the other hand, are really into passionate about design and, and the environment doesn't really trust that much these technologies because they're fairly new. So they, everybody right. was mentioning that, you know, that's just a wave that's going to pass. It's not something you can live from. Um, and I was pretty young and I was mostly, uh, my pay in the first company was really low, but I wasn't actually worried about that i didn't care money was at the least we had uh, this company had an opportunity to sell, sell uh themes on theme forest and also i was creating uh websites for uh clients from the us who are mostly photographers mm. uh wedding photographers so and logos so i was yeah mostly working on that and uh i didn't care much about the money i cared about the learning and impact and spent 2 years over there learned a lot and it eventually opened doors to new opportunities, which afterwards was uh, um, a really amazing journey once I kind of stepped away from this uh, industry of just generating themes, generating websites, and stepped into the new world uh, world of user experience design. Okay, so I'm excited to get into the UX side. Um, but before you do, I have a question about maybe advice for designers that are kind of doing design and development. I mean, today, I guess there's a lot of other tools. Like now there's like these, all these no code tools or Webflow or things like that. But what are, what is your advice? And do you think it's important still for designers to kind of have that knowledge of how to code? I think that's a really good question. And I did had a, at one point, a, a specific speech about that. Uh, local in local design in uh, uh, a community that we had we when we, uh, back in the times that it was sketch was a thing the main thing sketch would organize these uh, communities and I had a topic around that what specifically did you ask and I put a uh, I made a parallel between design and architecture uh, because I thought that it's really similar uh, me as an architect when I design a building I have to know the basic of, basics of statics and some basic things because that will allow me to uh, you know design a building that can actually be possible to build. Of course, right. these rules are sometimes broken. Let's take a look at the Sydney building, you know, that building was designed in a way that the engineering could not solve it how it could stand, but the and actually at the end, which is really interesting, the architect solved the problem of how engineers could calculate uh, the standing of those, you know, those nice curved uh, iconic uh, roof uh, elements. So mm -hmm. I think 
Yeah, so I think that it's really important for designers. They don't have to uh, learn that deeply uh, all of the aspects of code, but they have to know the basic knowledge of it because once you have the knowledge of code, you have the power to create what you think and what uh, create your ideas and then have a backup of those ideas. So we all know sometimes engineers, not, I don't blame them, it's normal. They tend to say, you know, that's hard, that's, that's not possible to create. And of course that's okay to say because there's a lot of factors like deadlines and such, but everything you have the knowledge of actually code, you can create something, create an additional version that will accommodate that mm. other version that you could not implement. And then you could say, okay, I know this is possible because I understand the basics of code. And also when you do QAs, you if you know the basics of code, you can actually make your own iterations, suggestions, and then send that to a suggestion to the developer. But Overall, I think it's really important for designers to know that, and they shouldn't be afraid of code because code is not that complex uh, in an essence. It can be when you dig deeper, but for us, what we need to know is the basics, and those basics are not complicated. And I encourage every designer to try. Once you try, first few days are hard because it's a new world that you step in. It's confusing. You, you cannot connect all the dots. But one, after some time, you get to understand the high level, the holistic level of, of code. And it's that from that point, it becomes really easy. That's an amazing answer. I absolutely love that. I think that that's like great feedback for designers that are trying to understand like what they need to know, what they need to learn, how it's going to benefit them. And I do think that a designer knowing code, a lot of things you said, like they can go in and if a developer says no, they have more of the knowledge to say, okay, well, maybe if we do this or this or this, or in the QA process, you can literally just go in and say, no, this is what I was expecting. Um, so I think it makes that the design dev handoff is always like kind of a sticky situation and it's everyone's still trying to figure it out, right? But by you, the designer, knowing and having those tools to be able to code, it's going to make that relationship and help bring your designs to life in a better way. So I think that was really, really great advice. Of course. And I would like to add one more thing. We yeah. all know that Figma is trying to close the gap between design and development. And what's going to happen, and we can see that also with design tokens, is that Figma, Figma is trying to close the gap uh, between our communication with designers and developers. And that's where the money is lost uh, for companies. And what's going to happen is that Figma will be, even now with auto layout and all of these, it's actually built on the pillars of code. And if you yes. know two basics of that, then imagine you can actually know Figma and you can know even some of the code. And I think it's really powerful. And it's an essence for a designer to know these things because that gives you a new toolkit and gives you more power and makes you stand out more from the rest and it's not that hard to achieve that. Yes. Oh, amazing. Yes. I now feel like I need to go back in and be like, okay, Figma, like if I'm thinking about you from a dev perspective, like making sure that I understand kind of that output and those expectations from a developer because Figma is that tool. And I do think that design tokens like coming and like becoming the new next step is going to be really, really exciting. Um, so yeah, I think no matter what, it's like learn those basics of code because it's going to be really helpful 
in whatever mm-hmm. you you do and you design in the future. Oh, that was totally amazing. Agree. I love it. Um, okay, so <laughs> amazing tangent, kind of getting back to, actually, I think this is a great segue into like you taking on more of that UI, UX, product design, user design. So what when did that kind of hop in and how did you navigate that? Yeah, it was a pretty, um, I would say, a sudden move. Uh, I was working at this company, which, like I mentioned, it was more like a industrial on track, generating logos, generating designs, really fast track. Uh, and I was, you know, really efficient. And I thought that the efficiency is the only metric for being successful at the end of the day. But when I moved to the new company, which was a local company that uh, was based in in the U.S. and um, they they had their uh, U.S. Uh, headquarters and they also had here an office. And basically, they uh, were working for projects on retail industry. So, you know, mm-hmm. tools for Target for uh, for they work for album album pain uh, Panera Bread, which is today. And with different tools about uh, catering and uh, how you would uh, develop a product, then you know from the idea to kind of sending it down to the shelves, coupon mm-hmm. auditing. So I entered this world and was I didn't have much knowledge uh, apart from the knowledge that I was exploring and reading articles, and because I was interested in that, and it was pretty hard in the beginning because. It was totally different from what I used to do. I used to create websites. I used to create logos. I used to create those like things that break the rules that you have to have to follow. But suddenly I had to follow some rules and I don't know these rules. And yeah. uh, luckily I had a really good mentor and uh, he thought taught me a lot about user experience design, user interface design and uh, a lot of these segments around communication with clients, design process. So I was really lucky to get that opportunity uh, to get that person as a mentor. And I learned a lot from him and kind of, he kind of pushed me to become what I have become today, uh, even much faster. And I'm really glad that I had that opportunity to work in this company. And suddenly I went from an industrial pace company to a company that was more modern company was more slow paced but you know more research based more kind of figuring out how we can create create value from from a for a business or from a specific group of users and that's how i started to do user experience user interface design uh mostly focused in the beginning on ui but then afterwards when i when ux was becoming more complex i started to poke into ux and eventually I started to lead projects on my own and communicate with the clients directly, which, you know, I really enjoyed doing yeah. and I enjoy today as well. Um, I like to talk with clients. I like to present new ideas, challenge concepts. So I think, yeah, that was that was a, a really good opportunity that I had. And uh, that's kind of that pushed me into this world. What what advice do you have for designers today that maybe do have like a graphic design background or maybe more web design that are trying to get into the UX UI field? Um, it sounds like that mentor really taught you a lot. Maybe there's some advice or maybe some websites or some tools that 
other designers could could help make that transition? I think uh, the most important part is to understand the difference between the two. So once people understand the difference, and again, I'm referencing on architecture, <laughs> but uh, I kind of think it as, uh, you know, the the building, when you look at the building, the UI is the nice glass, the nice doors, and but the UX is what makes the building stand. Where the door is placed, how do you enter the building, and all those details, where the rooms organized. So once you uh, figure out the differences between those two, then you will be able to poke more. And you don't have to necessarily be, for example, the for graphic designers, and I personally am similar. Uh, I'm more working in the UX, but I more enjoy user interface design. And I'm really good at, at user interface design because I have a strong background in graphic and web design. And that kind of helped me uh, have a better feeling of space, of uh, how to do typography, where to place certain elements, all the smaller, you know, devils and details. And I think that also makes a really nice user experience as user interface. And uh, basically... When uh, I think designers shouldn't be afraid of that. But of course, if your biggest strength is user interface or UI or the visuals, you should definitely uh, know some basics of UX because basis, basics of UX help you the same way about design and code, understand what you can build, why a certain element is placed, why is it a specific size, and there's really good resources, like, of course, we know all Medium, which you can Google a lot. That's a really yes. obvious part. You also have UXL, which is a website where you can, you know, in a gamified way, learn a little bit more about UI, UX, have challenges. It's a really entertaining way and a fun gamified way of learning. Uh, but um, yeah, otherwise, I think it's all up to the designer to figure out where you belong to and of course there you could be a hybrid as well which i consider myself uh, but some people are more into each of these fields which is not wrong and uh, also i suggest finding a mentor or somebody who can help you get started motivate you you tell tell you a couple of really nice words so you can you know give you a give you a um a challenge and you know you can use that in your local community you can use adp list and schedule a call with somebody and, and somebody will help you out. And I also did a lot of mentorships for a lot of people. And today are they're really amazing designers. One specific example is, uh, and also people shouldn't be afraid of changing their uh, profession. One example is my friend who was an architect and I tried to convince him from um, college to move to UX, UI, but he was hesitant because of, of a big change. And eventually I managed to, uh, convert him and today he's an amazing designer uh, UX designer mostly specifically and design That's systems awesome. master but also really good UI designer so and he also earns a lot more and career is much more successful than in the fields of architecture in the local area where I live at least. I mean, I love it's like, don't be afraid to like make the jump or make a change. Um, I think that's really great advice. And I think a lot of those sites you referenced are awesome sites. Um, I, I really, I think maybe we can put that in um, kind of the description from this chat so anyone can, can see and go use some of those references. And I, you also mentioned something which I was gonna ask you, you mentioned a couple of times is mentorship. And so, 
um, it sounds like you had a mentor and that really just helped elevate your career. And so um, encouraging other designers that are trying to get into the industry or even trying to level up in the industry, like finding a mentor or someone um, that they can go to sounds like that really helped you and was really like a, a big point in your life. I think it's uh, all of us are like a small a snowball. So if somebody just pushes you and it pushes you a couple of times, you know, just a few times, it's totally fine, even more. But then once you kind of grow and become a huge snowball and you find a downhill, then you're going to become, you know, even more huge. But be don't uh, go too fast because you might break in the pieces <laughs> like the snowball does. So be aware of that. Uh, burnout is really common in our industry. And yes. we should be mindful of that as well. But of course, mentorship, don't be afraid to, to ask people, ask the community. Um, I think there's a, a lot of great people in that maybe you didn't heard of, but you just have to ask and they can't wait to give you. I know in my community, we have right now also Figma Friends events. And, you know, these really, really skilled designers, amazing designers are always telling, please, you know, tag me here's my email I'll go look yeah. into your Figma file we can schedule a call just be proactive and you'll get everything today is just like a our world today is like a treasure chest you just have to pick whatever you want from it it's up to okay. you to gain that momentum and just do whatever you want need for your career to excel well said no that was beautiful um, another one last thing I before we move on I wanted to ask you about you said that communicating with clients is something you really enjoy um, and that you kind of learn to to do more of and you you like having that kind of ownership over being able to communicate with the with the client. Do you have advice um, for people that want to get better at communicating with with clients and being able to defend their designs or be able to talk through their designs? Yes, uh, like I mentioned before, I think knowledge is an important uh, weapon for you. And for example, an easy step for everyone is to take buy the book, which is called Laws of UX. Read all of those laws. And mm. once you're, first of all, you will understand why a CTA is a specific color. Why is it placed in a certain place? Why, um, you know, when you click on a drop down, it's not on the other part of the screen. So those are all logical things that we see. But, you know, Somebody made that so you don't see it, you don't think about it. You use it intuitively. And uh, I think that knowledge will help you in communicate, communicating, defending your uh, ideas. And also uh, a lot of people, you have to try tools because what is really important is to follow mental models. We're not here to invent new things. Of course, we do invent sometimes. I did work on a project that I couldn't find a reference because it was a new startup and everything was fairly new and it was hard to understand what is a mental model of a user. What I say, what I mean by a mental model is a previous experience of a user. So um, you don't have to invent things necessarily, but if you are tech savvy, you use 10 tools, you saw how filters work, of course, that you will leverage that knowledge and put it. And once client says, okay, but I don't think this is a good pattern you can say okay um i agree uh I'm, I'm not i agree but i understand your 
point of view, but here are five examples that I did in my research and all of them use the same pattern and they use this pattern because X, Y, and Z. And that's how you uh, start to be more efficient in communication with client. And yeah. also I think, uh, you know, just starting to do that because a lot of people are either afraid of confronting the clients. They don't ask quest enough questions. They just, you know, stand at the meeting, say yes to all, yes. but you have to ask questions. You have to understand the context and uh, you have to break the ice and start your first interview will be a disaster. Uh, your first meeting with a client will be a disaster, but the, the 10th will be great. And I suggest, for example, if you're afraid, start using ADP list and just talk with mentors. That way you can yes. you know, schedule more calls. And a lot of people are also afraid because at least non-US people are afraid to talk with clients because they don't have um, a good skill of, uh, of English. Uh, and I think uh, communications were important. It per helps you perceive your confidence and your clarity and, and um, kind of helps you inspire people. But uh, of course that you have to start and you have to uh, gain com com confidence. And that gain of confidence happened through multiple failures, which is fine, but you have to start. And eventually right. you're going to be really comfortable with talking with clients. That was really great, great advice. Um, I, I mean, first of all, the book Laws of UX, I think that that's a great starting point. And I really loved how you talked about um, like you don't just say yes, like it's really about kind of defending and just making sure that you have the knowledge so that you can go in and like talk through best practices and why you did what you did. And and if you just do what the customer client says, you're going to end up doing something that's probably not the best experience. And you're just saying yes to something that's going to end up snowballing. If you bring it back <laughs> to the snowball in a bad way, it's like going to fall apart because you weren't there to speak up and to voice your opinions and concerns. Um, and I also liked what you said about um, like people from other countries, maybe speaking English feels like a little nerve wracking or scary, but I think it's like the more you do it, the more confidence you gain. Um, and now, I mean, especially after the pandemic, like everyone working remotely, like there's so many opportunities to get jobs and work with people from anywhere and everywhere. So I think that's like really awesome to be able to go in and no matter where you're from or what you do, as long as you have like the knowledge of English, you usually can communicate and be able to voice your opinions and work in, in whatever environments you want, wherever you want. Yeah, that's an advantage of, uh, of, our, uh, of our new era is yeah. we, we are connected, we are all, all equal, and we all have fairly the same opportunities. Right. Um, more and more other countries that are uh, being put aside are having opportunities to work on the global market which is uh, great, but a lot of people want are talented and want to uh, leverage, uh, want to step forward into the industry, but are really afraid and uh, just, you know, just be poke around, uh, ask, and you're going to eventually hop to somebody who will want to help you and guide you through your career. And it's not going to be hard because there's so many people out there. Amazing. Yep. Totally agree. I think that's super interesting in the world we're in today. Um, so let's keep going. So after kind of this opportunity, you moved into UX, you were doing UX, UI. Well, you started doing a lot of UI. You started to do a little bit more UX. Um, 
what what happened there? What happened with this this company? Yeah, I worked a couple of uh, years at that company, and um, yeah, it was uh, really exciting. I worked on a lot of projects. Uh, I know I worked uh, on that project. Uh, it was <laughs> it, it was like a early Figma tool back in the days. We built like a web tool where you could pull in images and create. Um, you can pull in like images and add text and manipulate rotates it's it's like a ui interface tool on the web Uh but it wasn't so uh, it wasn't performing so efficient because it was uh you know back in the days it was uh not that uh, efficient as today and um yeah basically we started to uh i started to work on these projects and got a lot of opportunities uh and and that tool uh, i remember it was for target and they were they like had like a stand with a tablet and basically the people who were creating those promotions would upload all of the brand files and and then somebody could do some surveys that we built and that was uh, that was really exciting but at the at some point i started to feel that i need new challenges mm. and all the projects i felt that um i'm kind of you know I, i'm just getting to the to the top of everything that i do and I just wanted to step into new fields. I wanted to yeah. pu- pu- bend the boundaries. And I decided to apply to this platform called TopTal, which is a platform that uh, it's their uh, headline is like top 3% of all freelancers. And it's pretty hard to get into the platform. There's a lot of interviews, uh, a lot of uh, rounds. Mm-hmm. And eventually first time I was, uh, I didn't succeed. Uh, I couldn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't succeed in, in the interviews. And once you don't succeed, you have to wait for, I think, six months or one year to apply again. So I was really, uh, you know, I got to do this. You know, I have six months or one year. I can't remember. I have to do learn a lot. I have to work a lot. I, I want to be, I want to get to the platform because I was also having the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was following me a lot in my career, even sometimes today, which is normal. But I I, I wanted to find proof that I can actually uh, that I'm actually really good. And um, eventually, I managed to hop get onto the platform second time. And uh, even then, I thought that my imposter syndrome will uh, disappear mm-hmm. because you know I'm in the top three percent of best freelancers, as they state. And that's yeah. great. You know, I finally did it. But then, you know, I started to actually go on interviews on other local big tech companies and I would pass the interview for the role, and but I wouldn't decline it. So I was just always finding a, a seal of pro- uh, approval that I'm a good yeah. designer. Um, but once I got into TopTal, I actually started to work for US clients, which are more... Um, uh, I would say better clients than what you can find on Upwork and they don't care that much about, you know, your exact time that you spend on one login screen. They're not screenshotting your screen. They're not uh, watching your mouse sensitivity and all of that. They just care about the outcome, no matter how you get to that outcome. So I started to work on a lot of projects over there and um, yeah, it was so exciting. I would, uh, you know, I started with some, uh, small gigs for a couple of months, then for a half a year, then I eventually went into three years project. So yeah. it was yeah. um, it was really crazy because um, I met a lot of 
amazing people, a lot of big companies, a lot of startups that had a lot of funding. And it was it was a really interesting journey on that platform. Uh, but eventually I started, I got new opportunities outside the platform. So I stopped working over there, but that was a really good excel uh, of on my of my career, just getting those really big opportunities for big companies and yeah. uh, giving uh, putting me on a spotlight and giving me opportunity to prove myself and to prove value that I can provide to to these companies. And yeah, that was a really interesting period of my life. Yeah, I mean, I top tells definitely like they're three percent. It's like people know that about them, and I'm sure you got to work with really really awesome companies. It sounds like it really was able to elevate you. Um, I have a question about imposter syndrome, like how it sounds like that was definitely something that kind of like was a difficulty, a challenge for you. How would you, what would you tell to other designers that are experiencing imposter syndrome? I think uh, I once watched from, uh, I think it was Pablo Stanley. uh, The more you fake it, the better better you are. (laughs) And it was a really, really nice uh, presentation that he had. And uh, I was kind of, you know, like, maybe he's right. Like when you're surrounded with all of these people and, you know, sometimes they, even they don't know what they're saying or what you're saying, they're kind of, you know, nodding with their heads and uh, confirming, but eventually sometimes they even don't know what they're doing and and it's totally fine. It's, you don't have to know everything. And of course you, as you work, you learn and that learning will will affect to so you will make some mistakes but then in the future you'll gain experience and somebody will pay you a lot for the because of that experience because they want to avoid those mistakes um and i think it's a normal thing and you have to accept it and once you accept it you don't fight it it's the same with mm-hmm. other syndromes like depression and 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 all of these uh syndromes that humans have you have to not fight it but accepted that it exists and it's going to always exist next to you but then you have to understand it and have a better context that it's normal for a human to feel that way because you cannot know everything and people who say that they know everything they don't know everything they just are good in faking it like pablo mentioned they they learn um four or five words that sound really technical that nobody knows about them and then they just repeat all those words all the time. It's like when you go uh, on a meeting with a client and you say, you know, we have to take care of those mental models. You know how that is important. And they will say, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yes. you know, I don't even know what these things that he's saying are. It's same when you yes. go to, uh, um, you know, to a guy that is uh, repairing your car and he says, you know, this bolt and the and yes. uses these couple of ther- terms. And he was like, and also the doctor uses a couple of like Latin words and you're like, you know, this guy knows what he's doing and same as with our industry. So it's a really tough syndrome, I would say. And it took a lot of time for me to gain control of it, off of it. Yeah. And it comes back and forth, you know, sometimes in certain situations, it, it, I feel it, but sometimes it goes away. But again, when you step aside in retrospect on your career and where you are now and uh, how amazing you are, then you will have, you'll figure out that, you know, you're good and that you should keep going. And yeah. I think it's just something that you should be aware of and understand and accept it. And it's going to help you, um, you know, kind of have it by your side as a friend that keeps you 
learning more keeps you exploring more because if without right. that you wouldn't push your boundaries but the yeah. same time you shouldn't overwhelm you that you get anxiety and uh, it blocks you in progressing and blocks you in your daily projects yes i really like that i think that's a really great explanation for people i think it's like we all have imposter syndrome and i feel like the further i get in my career the more I don't let it bother me. It's more like if I don't know something, like I'm excited to learn it. I'm excited to like push my boundaries. Like you said, it should help you. Like maybe use it as a tool to like get to that next step. Maybe there's like a recurring thing you feel like you're not doing well or having imposter syndrome on. Figure out what that is and work to to improve that skill. Um, that was really great advice. That was awesome. Um, okay, well, let's let's talk about so Topsail. You were there for a while. You had some awesome opportunities. Um, you really got to like get more knowledgeable about working with clients from everywhere. You got to dive deeper into your processes and UI UX. So what what happened from there? I, like I mentioned, I had a lot of connections, and um, at that time, I was also really present on different uh, platforms like Medium. I was creating. I was. Uh, I had a Instagram account where I was uh, posting a lot of interesting stuff about user experience and yeah I was really present I was posting on dribble on on behance like I was creating a lot of use cases so it kind of gained a lot of attention and I think all of us should do that we should create we should uh, I think our goal in our life and careers to impact and that's how I we you know work and live and I, I mean, of course, somebody lives only for the money and the fun, but I think us as creators, we primarily work to make create impact in this life. So to create positive impact on people's lives during our their work or inspire others. So I think we should do that as much as we can. We should create and put that put it out of the world because people should see what you're what you're doing. And yeah, by, you know, being very present and active, I gained attention to companies and I worked for various uh, Bay Area companies. Um, latest one was Poised and I was, um, yeah, I was uh, I eventually got into a state where I was going to the US all the time, um, you know, and this is the beauty of the modern world. Like one person from... Uh, you know, Europe uh, from this really, really small three million <clears throat> tops country is having an opportunity to go and work with people from California, from the Silicon Valley, from the center of all all tech. And I was yeah. doing that. Eventually, I was going to the U.S. five or six times per year. Uh, you know, uh, meeting with uh, the the team, having really amazing offsites, going to visiting all amazing places like uh, in California or any other states, and yeah. Um, yeah, it was a it was an amazing journey on working for these startups and um, you know connecting with people, and you know I'm kind of um, continuing that pace, working for startups smaller and larger ones and um, helping them build a product or maintain a product and uh, I think uh, uh, once you kind of focus on what you love which is uh, uh, in my case design but it, it's applicable to any other uh, profession once you are focused on that 
on and not on the on money and uh, you know all of these uh, material things you eventually uh figure out okay you know i i look behind me and you know look where i am how how successful i am how how you know aside from that i'm also earning really good so people should focus on their uh, their their passion because once you focus mm-hmm. on passion then you don't really realize how big you're growing and how huge impact you're 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 creating on all aspects of your of your career so yeah i'm right now working for uh, poise which is a startup and ai speech startup that analyzes your speech while you speak and gives you feedback on that uh, on your speech and they are an amazing team amazing product that has a goal of what i also mentioned is to help people communicate better and by doing that help people elevate their careers and also not also for people for the entire world that you know today english is a world language and people all over the world can download the the app and use it as a tool that will help them perform better understand how why they did not perform uh, in a good way and eventually you know having that mission of having huge impact and improving people's lives which is what yeah. kind of gives me the excitement the goosebumps and why i love my job because uh, you know i can Im- impact people i can affect their lives which is an amazing thing when you think of it amazing. in a positive way yeah. of course <laughs> yes of course i think us as designers we always usually feel an attachment to the products we're building and i i love what you said about like finding your passion so like as long as you get to work on products that like really resonate with you i think that's really powerful and it's like that's what's going to set you up for success you're going to want to keep learning you're going to want to grow like all the good things happen when it's like synergy between what you get to design um and it kind of following along with what you love so it sounds like yeah that was definitely something that you've been looking for and you you've found throughout your career um so so kind of the last question I have for you is after hearing your whole story from your your childhood entrepreneurship to to diving in and like learning about web and then going into UI UX and top tall and startups like what's next for you where where do you see yourself going in the next year in the next five years what I see myself is uh actually taking all this experience and uh, helping other companies uh, avoid mistakes that are being uh, made in the early processes of uh, early stages of, of startups and also apart from that I'm kind of more leaning towards uh, the field of design operations design systems how to create multiple design system multi-brand design systems and uh how to maintain those design systems, also stepping in the field of, like I mentioned at the beginning, of design tokens and kind of exploring more around that because I think uh, that is also that companies will spend more and more um, um, attention on because they they understand that design is an essential piece of their products and they want to have an efficient, flexible, design system that will help them uh, have a great user experience because today it's all about great user experience and design system will help uh, help companies create that sense of consistency 
sense of uh, of a really really great user experience especially for companies that have multiple brands like huge corporations that buy many many uh, uh, other companies and then try to blend them into their own uh, ecosystem and kind of the goal is that once they buy a company you know they just take their own the company style set and just drop it into the machine called Blender design system and it kind of blends that and, <laughs> and spits out all the components, all the patterns, everything. Yes. And, you know, that's, if you think of it, that's amazing how much money the companies can save and that amount of money they can invest into marketing, into other uh, explorations of other uh, uh ventures possibilities so i think that's something that is that i'm really interested in and yeah. that uh, would like to explore more where i see myself in and also doing some consulting for companies and helping them find their way and of course doing mentorship helping young designers find their path and to get to the state where they can work for um for global companies and, and and bring value because at least I can see in my community, but every community, there's so many good people, skilled people that need a guidance and we are here to provide that and uh, we should do that. That should be our mission uh, in, in our careers. So overall, um, to recap, that's kind of the the goal in the next upcoming years. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Um, I'm excited to follow along on your journey and see what where you go, where you end up, what you build, what you're designing, um, who you're consulting for. So um, thank you so much for chatting with me and telling your story and giving amazing advice to other designers out there that are trying to make some of these leaps in the design world. Um, I really appreciate it. And I look forward to following along with what's next for you. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed our conversation. And uh, thank you for giving the opportunity to tell my story. And hopefully some uh, designers out there or anybody will find this inspiring. And uh, they they will you know start to roll that snowball and become a big one. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you should not never stop because uh, he, there are tough times, but, uh, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. There are tough times, but uh, rainy days, but eventually they pass and then good times come. But you're never going to expect that there will be fully good times. There will be ups and downs, challenges, uh, but that's part of our life. That's part of uh, life. What makes life interesting is that we have challenges that we need to solve. So. Um, encourage everybody to pursue their dreams and uh, I hope uh, yeah this this makes at least 0.001% impact to me that's enough <laughs> I love that yes well said I definitely think it's gonna have some impact on our listeners so thank you so much for being here we'll we'll chat soon thank you